This is the Copper Crab Podcast. I'm Cheney Crab. I am Naveen Kapawas. Shout out to our sponsors, Direct Sound Headphones and Moon Juice CBD by Jade Rabbit. Word. Today on the podcast, our guest is our friend Scott Ian Lewis. He is the vocalist of Carnifex, and he's also an author of a graphic novel called Death Dreamer. Uh, Death Dreamer is way sick, by the way. Hey, I appreciate that, man. I, uh... You know how, you know, Naveen, you've done a whole lot of different projects, so you know how it's real easy to just forget about one and just totally put your mind on another and be like, oh, yeah, yeah that. Yeah, yeah. I almost, <laughs> I almost feel like that was kind of the book. Like, I, I went real hard on it in 18, and then yeah. it was just like, oh, well, back to doing records. I know. <laughs> no, that, I, that's, like, definitely an issue for me. You know, I'll just, like, totally forget about what I'm doing, and nothing else exists but, like, the one track thing yeah tunnel vision mm-hmm. so, but now that i know that i do that i can like be like i can say okay i'm doing that thing that you know i've got like a tunnel vision here probably shouldn't do that you know what i mean yeah or or like <laughs> channel it weaponize it yeah you know for sure that's so, another way to do it yeah yeah like hey i'm gonna fucking go hard on this because i have that power but yeah, so um yeah. i read death dreamer today I'm ready for the next installment. I know. Are bro. you What's going are you on working that? on one now? Are you planning <laughs> on doing one? Well, yeah. I mean, here, I'll give you guys the, the the actual scoop on it. Is like the second chapter was fully happening, and I think you know through twenty. See, the that book came out in summer of eighteen, and then the record came out in summer nineteen, and then my plan was for summer twenty for book two to come out. Obviously, summer 20s come and gone. The book doesn't right. exist. And that was because, you know, I, I'm paying for the book off of my off of what I make on touring. Oh, yeah. I got it. And got so, it. yeah, I have the cover, the front and back cover, like front and back jacket is done. It's illustrated. Um, and then I have the first seven pages illustrated. Oh, and awesome. then, you know, everything got canceled. Is it the, so do, you like, have the, do you have the same stop. guy illustrating it as as did the first <laughs> yeah. one? Dude, okay. Same team, such, entire same team, yeah. That's so awesome. Uh, the illustrations in it are fantastic. I was like, I was so impressed with how good it all is. It just is like, it's a fucking graphic novel. It's so cool. The art Thank is you. awesome. The story is really good. It's just really cool. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was kind of weird with the book, like, you know, in all honesty, we it was kind of like the demo tape for that we hoped would get like you know picked up by a label, but rather by a publisher. And got it. You know, it didn't it didn't work out that way or yet, anyways, which was a bummer. Maybe I was a bit naive. I was kind of thinking like, yeah, I'll just knock the one out, and then of course, you know, we'll get people be like, we'll pick the series up, we'll do the rest of them. So pretty that much like happened. everything I've done in my entire life, basically. <laughs> Like, right, maybe. you're like, I'll just do the first one, and everyone will see how great it is. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's like the cream always rises to the top, dude. This is easy. We got this. Yeah, yeah and then you finish it, and it's like, uh, nice book. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, totally. So, are you? Are, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're like a fan of uh, graphic novels and comics and stuff like that. I mean, to want to do that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely am. I'm not. You know, I can't say. You know, I'm like. Uh, you know, comic book nerd with 2000 books on the shelf. That's, that's definitely not who I am, but more what I am is like, you know, I, my mom was an English teacher 
so from a very young age, she was always about read a book. Yeah. Read a book, read a book, you know, and you know, I'm a little older. So, you know, the first half of my life, there was no internet in it. And so she always just, you know, made me read a book. And I think from that, I kind of, um, I don't know. I just got really into like stories and it was always like mysteries and murder mysteries and stuff. And that's basically what death dreamer is, you know, just a murder mystery. And, you know, I think it was kind of just the whole thing was like, I love writing. I like telling narrative stories and with the band and doing the lyrics in the band, it's kind of not so much narrative, you know, it's very short form, more like poetry. Yeah. Um, and so I think I just wanted a chance to like kind of weave a yarn a little bit, you know, tell, be able to like, Hey, I'm going to just tell a story and not have to worry about, well, the breakdown's coming. Uh, I got four lines. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, totally. Yeah, totally. Well, so what inspired you to make it into a graphic novel as opposed to any other like form of story writing, storytelling? Well, you know, it was kind of a combination of things. I really, originally I had written the, the first version of the story as a television pilot. Um, oh, and wow. then the person that I actually produced the book with, you'll see his name in there in the kill. Um, he was like a good, good friend of mine and also, uh, like help, help us the band out producing a bunch of music videos. And we've been self-managed for like the last four or five years. So he's helped out like, you know, kind of like unraveling like the social media, you know, different metrics and algorithms and stuff okay. like that. And, and he works up in LA and Hollywood. So I was like, Oh, I'll write it as a pilot and maybe we get somebody to read it. Um, you know, if you, if you know the guys at 33 and West, or if you were there for a while, yeah, we were. they're, they're doing television and they're representing writers and comedians now and stuff. So we were kind of trying to play off the, you know, some of the connects that we had okay. and, yeah. you know, yes, yeah, so I wrote as a, as a pilot first, obviously no one gave a shit. So I was like, well, I'll write as a novel then like, like as a graphic novel. So it's kind of like a proof of concept. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's a really good yeah. idea. Yeah, it's really cool. I guess we have so many questions about it because it's like so outside of anything that I'm used to. Like when I was reading it, I was like, wow, yeah. I can't believe that I know somebody who can like make up a story like this because it, it's I really cool. It's really cool. And I've personally always wanted to like publish stuff, but in the poetry realm. So I really, really admire that you did that and you like were like, fuck it, I'm going to make a graphic novel. It's really cool. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, we couldn't afford to to shoot a television series obviously you know it's like expensive to make music videos or it's like yeah, yeah. two minutes of like your own band and you're like we can barely afford this <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know? so are we yeah. gonna shoot anything uh so i was basically just like i want to i wanted the story to exist in the world because like for two years it was just you know it was just a final draft file on my computer which that was boring. It was read by like three people, yeah. you know? So I was like, this is lame. I worked on it for like a year and literally no one will read it because it's never going to be a TV show. So what, it's just not going to exist. And so we're like, all right, let's try to make it exist. And obviously on Twitter, I, I met all the artists and everything. Like cool. I just started following them cause I love their art. Yeah. And okay. then I just basically DM and was like, Hey, I'm going for this book. Are you down? And you know, obviously we you know, worked out agreements and pay and all that stuff. Um, but it's been pretty independent, you know, yeah. it's just kind of about awesome. four or five people. That's awesome, man. Do you feel like you've had, there's been like a good reception to it amongst like the people who know you and from Carnifex and stuff like that? I I think so. You know, I, I think I, we're all artists, you know, so, and I know all of us are like very kind of entrepreneurial with our art. You yeah. know, we're not waiting for someone to say, yes, go do it. We're just like, I'm just going to figure it out and hopefully 
it, you know, becomes something bigger. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we didn't have to wait for a yes and it got out there. On the other hand, it is like, I feel like it didn't really get a chance to live and breathe. Like we never got on Amazon or, or like into anything, into any stores, you what, know, what does it, take it was to... really just like at the merch table oh, and wow. indie merch. So what does it take to get on Amazon? You need an actual publisher to do that? You, you need a publisher or you need uh, an ISBN number, which is, um, yeah, I mean, you can get it. You just got to go basically pay for it and set up like a little co publishing company and stuff. Oh, um, yeah, kind of a boring stuff. But yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah, just so you can kind of exist, like you know how, you know how like if you're a band and you put out a demo, but it you know it's got no barcode on it, right. like you know Nielsen or Spotify or whoever they won't register it. It'll just be kind of like whatever you make of it, you make of it. Dude, I remember back in the day when I was like in a local band, it was like a dream to have like a barcode on the back of your CD. You know, remember that shit? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or then you're legit. You know, you're, you're in the store. Yeah. Totally. You know? The the book never made it in quite in the stores. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. That's book two, maybe. Well, you could. Yeah. You know, it's still. What's cool about it is it's it's forever a story. It's not like uh, on a timeline. You know what I mean? Like, right. has to be in stores yeah. by a certain time. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense. You know, it, it's just a cool story. So. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'm having fun with it. I got the second one done, and and you know, I'm I'm writing a bunch of other stuff. I wrote I wrote a script for you probably know Lorenzo. Yeah, uh, he's being sworn to me. I wrote a script for him, and I, I don't know if it'll, anything will ever come of it, but that was a fun one. And like a couple other people, we we wrote some scripts for, and I have a few of my own. I'm I'm working on, and I I don't know how to what I, how I want to express them next because like filming stuff so expensive. Even the book was was kind of expensive, so yeah. I might just write a a book book. Oh, wow. Just because that's like, doesn't cost anything. It's just your time. Totally. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And then you could do an audio book, which would be sick. Yeah, an audio book. That would be awesome. That's art. Yeah, audio book. Or an audio drama. Yeah. Well, that you would, could read. That would be awesome. Well, sometimes people like read their, the author will read the audio book in, in a, a uh, in like, dramatic mm. yeah, in, fashion. In caricature yeah, voices. And, and, uh, yeah. Have some know. sound effects and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do some guttural growls in there. You <laughs> there <know>. you go. <laughs> I was reading the story a little earlier to Cheney, and I was trying to put on a couple of voices for. He was. Like, he was doing a good job. The different characters. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. You know, I actually went so far as I, I actually, uh, my friend Nikhil, you know, like I said, he, he's up in LA, and he actually got us in, a meeting with an actor that we wanted to cast for Bishop. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this guy named Kirk Fox, a perfect character, like perfect actor for him. He was actually on. Uh, he was on Community. He was on Parks and Rec. He's like a TV oh, okay. actor. Oh wow. Um. But he can, he's actually can go dark though, you know, mm -hmm. like right. he's a, he's a comedian, but you know yeah. how comedians like can easily go dark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because they're, they're mostly sure. dark in their private time. And that's why they're like so funny on stage, you know, or they seem like exactly, dark fucking yeah. people. If you could have any actor play uh, Troy, who would it be? I, you know, that's a challenging one. I, 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 sometimes I was like, uh, maybe it's Hall because I was watching that movie prisoners a lot. Um, when I was working on it, so I was I kind of liked his character. If you've seen that film, Prisoners, I it's, seen it's seen similar. It. Okay, it's like a, a murder mystery, dark murder mystery, dark. and Jillian Hall's the lead in it. Uh, Hugh Jackman is the is the co lead in it as well. Uh, as so maybe that kind of character, just you know, kind of. I guess it could really. It's kind of the ubiquitous, you know, kind of Lone Ranger character yeah. in Absolutely. a way. You know the, and the person. It's like the person that's going through the world that feels detached from everything around them 
yet they're they know they're on a journey you know yeah, yeah. so I, I, it's kind of that character kind of like black black hat rolls into town type character that's who troy is that's why i kind of tried to make his background mysterious you know just getting out of prison and you kind of like you know it's for something sketchy but maybe it was for a good reason who fucking yeah, knows yeah, and yeah. We paid off a little more in book two. There's some answers to some of those questions about his family and his and his sister and all that stuff, which is kind of the B story to the, you know, to the main story. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, I mean, another thing is I've never read a graphic novel or a comic book. I've read so a few. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm into They're comics. Pretty I just easy. don't know it yet. To digest, <laughs> They're yeah. very easy. There, There's also this really cool website that's up now called like Comixology, and you can just kind of scroll mm-hmm. through graphic novels and just read them on your computer. It's oh, really, really? The, the actual like application is set up really well, and it will like zoom in on the different words and, you know, show you the art as a whole. The thing about graphic novels that I love some, that I love is that, is the art. That's, that's the really cool part, the stand, yeah. the standalone thing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And but, it's, it makes sense. It's like similar to, it, it seems like it kind of could go with music. Absolutely. And you know, it wasn't too dissimilar from putting together an album. Yeah. You yeah. know, you got deadlines, you got to, you know, turn all this stuff in to get it pressed and, you know, it costs X. And this person's got to do this. That person's got to do that. Yeah. So it was kind of familiar territory. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, something I've noticed that is this, is that kind of like you've kept, um, in Carnifex and in the book, the theme is death. You talk about death a lot. You seem to talk about that a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I remember on tour, you told us that you used to work at a morgue, right? Is that, is a that mortuary, correct? yeah. A mortuary. So did this, like, writing about death thing come, was it inspired by that? Or was it something that you were into before that? Did yeah, I think, you know, definitely that like I so I worked at the mortuary from like 17 to 20. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of, a I guess, an impactful period of your life. And I had just dropped out of high school. So I dropped out in November of 2000. So I was already kind of just, you know, like just lit, sort of floating through life. Uh, and I worked there for like three years and it was a it was a very interesting job. I actually really enjoyed it. I was and well, I was there, you know, basically every day. And mm-hmm. basically, I, I started doing removals. Uh, we were getting forty bucks a removal. We had a pager. This uh-huh. was in wow. uh, this crazy. was like two thousand two thousand one, right in there. Uh-huh. And then from there, I got a job funeral directing at the mortuary we were doing removals for. And that's what I did for the majority of the time I was there, like two and a half years. And then the last six months, I was a apprentice embalmer because I thought, oh, maybe I want to be an embalmer. But ultimately, uh, Bruce, the prep room manager, he was like, dude, I've been here 20 years and I'm making 20 bucks an hour. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so <laughs> I was like, holy shit. All right. You're right. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of. I was having a drug problem at the time. So I was like feeling very like, I was like, I have to change something. It was just my, everything about my life was too dark. The relationship I was in at the time was just really just kind of driven by drugs. And then I'm just doing these funerals all the time. And I don't know, I had like one friend and all they wanted to do was like go to the strip club all the time. It was just like a very morose time for me. So I was, it, it impacted me a lot. And I ended up leaving that. I got a job doing construction stuff which paid way better and was yeah. totally different. And at that time, were you a vocalist and into music and stuff or was that, that come? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I started, 
performing for the first time as a front man slash guitarist when I was 14. I was okay. playing guitar and screaming, uh, playing at, you know, at like the church jam night. Like, you know, it wasn't like jam night, but basically they had like a, there was like a youth group and basically they had like an open band night where it's where like any band can just come and you guys could play for 15 minutes. Yeah, okay. And, you know, when you're like 13 or 14, you're like, Dude, there's gonna be people there in the stage. <laughs> totally. You know, let's play like you know our like our bass player went to the church, so we're like, let's play. You know, who yeah, cares? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like you know hardcore band, like SoCal, like the SoCal church scene early on. Like a lot of great bands came out of that, like Zao and Embodiment. Uh, totally. and, Dude, I was just uh, listening uh, to Zao. Dying, yeah, you know? I was jamming Zao the other day. It was taking me back. I loved that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like. I know now it seems like, you know, churches and the music scene are like very separate, but yeah. I don't know. Back then it was kind of more like, it's just a room to play yeah. and we can't play bars. It's you true. Know? It's true. Yeah, that was exactly like uh, Animosity. We played, there. we didn't play churches per se, but there was a lot of Christian owned venues that I, we would play right. like on tour and stuff. Yeah. Like, even on like pretty big tours, they would go, there'd be a couple days that were like, Oh yeah, this is like a church venue. Oh, well, yeah. Didn't you can't swear. Was, on stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there one in a uh, uh, Pittsburgh or Philly? Uh, Philadelphia actually was a church. First Unitarian. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you guys played there, right? Oh yeah, dude. We played there. One the show I remember the most. Oh eight. It was uh, the Montreal Assault tour. It was Despise Icon's headliner, oh, yeah. and it was Despise Icon, Beneath the Massacre, Us, Neraxis, Plasma Rifle, and when Beneath was playing Nevermore. That yeah. place was a fucking war zone, man. Yeah, I, I am bet. not even kidding. Like old school, just you, you're like fending for your life or lo like looking through your fingers. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That breakdown in Nevermore is still one of my favorites. It's it goes it's so hard. Shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys listened to the latest Beneath the Masker album? Uh, no. I dude, haven't. it fucking destroys. Really? Yeah, it's yeah, so I, intense I and good. It, yeah, yeah. Because I listened to it, like, right I, when it came out, but I wasn't really in, like, a super heavy music, like, mood. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, wow, this is really intense. Yeah. I, I can't handle this. But then, like, lately over the last, like, two months, I've been, like, in a deep metal phase. So I, like, put it on the other day, and it's like, fuck, it's so heavy and awesome. And it just is really great. I like that band. They're they're an amazing band. Them and Despised Icon, like, there's just something about those two bands yeah you know not just me but like to carnifex and i'm sure for a lot of bands from our scene and and that same time frame where they like maybe they didn't go on to become you know the biggest bands in the genre but i really think they sort of set the bar for entry basically yeah, it was like if you can't keep up with beneath or despise don't bother yeah, that's <laughs> true despised icon is one of my favorite bands from that uh period they they influenced me greatly alex's vocals influenced me greatly I still put them on from time to time. I fucking love that band. Oh, yeah. Consume Part of Your Poison. That record is good any oh, yeah. day. Yeah. Any day. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So what have you guys been up to, man? Carnifex. Are you guys... Uh, I know that you had a tour booked, like, right before the corona thing because uh, we were talking to Miles about it. Oh, yeah. I that's who... That I was wondering who, yeah. how we knew that. But, you know, yeah. kind of shut the fuck down. That was probably shitty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was a mess. Like I'm sure everybody's tour was a mess. We were, we were 12 hours from bus call. Um, so That's really shitty because yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure people don't realize this, but at that point you've, 
invested a bunch of money in the tour. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, totally. we're just not going to yeah. go. Yeah. Well, and it was a headliner yeah. for you guys, right? Like, so you probably, you had money invested in like a lot. Well, you, you take a good light, a light guy with you all on every tour, but you guys probably oh. had a bunch of shit invested in that in itself. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was all the little investments, you know, promoting the tour, the artwork for the tour. Um, you know, we didn't do a tour in the States in the fall of 19 because we knew, oh, we're going to do the big blown out headliner with Three Teeth in, at, at the beginning of March. So let's like, let's just really make everybody wait for it. And, um, you know, just getting the tour done like convincing the agents of both bands that we wanted to tour together and it would be a good tour was really difficult. Really? Um, uh, it was, yeah, what? it was. Cause you guys know it's that, that weird thing where it's like, you know, I don't know if it's maybe death, if it's death core or what, but it's, it's hard to tour outside of the genre. Mm. Like it's true. I so for them. And three teeth is kind of like, if anyone doesn't know, they're kind of an, an industrial band. Correct. I was listening to some of their stuff the I other day. They're dancing with breakdowns. Yeah, yeah, totally. It w- whatever they are, it's sick. I was jamming it the other day. It's pretty good. Yeah, they're 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 a great band. Like they're they're basically kind of deathcore adjacent. They have breakdowns, but then they're also very industrial driven. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of you know kind of like this. There's some screaming, but it's almost like kind of the screaming that Ghostman does, where it's like it's not gutturals, but it's like this filter. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, I gotcha. mm-hmm. is it in style. that sort of? like genre subtly like the they ghost main, ghost kind of. main. okay so it's it, it's kind of you know adjacent it's goth yeah. All, yeah. all metal you know kind of that whole world and that was really kind of we want to bring those people to our shows because we're i feel like we've been fighting this battle of like look a deathcore band doesn't have to just be in this box like we can tour with you know, bands like, uh, you know, in this moment or three teeth or fear factory or, or, you know, kind of industrial electronic or rock driven acts. Totally. Um, but we can also tour with, you know, suicide or Whitechapel or whoever, or Lamb of God, maybe even. Um, so that was like our goal with that tour. And it was kind of hard to convince people that like, yeah, this is what we want to do with our big headliner is roll the dice and tour with an industrial band and then take no deathcore bands with us at, at all. And okay. That's what the lineup was. And the tickets were selling really great. Um, we were getting like, you know, the guarantees were the highest that we had ever gotten previous. And then, uh, you know, 12 hours before, pull the plug. <laughs> that sucks, man. Jesus. <laughs> that really sucks. It did suck. Yeah, it was tough. So well, since you've been home, uh, what have you been kind of doing with yourself? Because, I mean, that's like a big question on everyone's mind. You know, they want to know what, what, what are we all doing? Yeah. Well, I, I think there was like, you know, there's two facets and I'm sure you guys can relate to that. There's like, okay, well got to keep up the public persona, right? Cause you know, okay. So all the money we were supposed to make this year is gone. Well, let's, you know, it's not like we have other jobs, so we got to figure out kind of how to continue engaging the fan base. So we did the, the Patreon, right. yeah, that's um, right. which was good. It, you know, it helped offset bills and like got stuff paid for. Um, but I guess as me, like the individual, it, it really wasn't fulfilling to be honest. And I don't mean that to di- diminish any of the conversations with the people, with like the people we had, but it just was such a, a contrast to what it's like being out on the road where yeah, you're yeah. just meeting 
so many and you're right there like literally people are coming up to you and they're sweating on you they're like yeah yeah it's so much more visceral yeah um and i guess i need that level of in like intensity to to make it count or something yeah. i don't know i know what you mean i mean it almost seems like when you become more of an internet based thing it's kind of like not why we got into it absolutely you know, not got into it to be like sweaty and fuck the world well and we're all like over 30 and we were a part of a scene that wasn't like it is now at all like we we didn't have to constantly be internet personas back in the day dude no internet yeah (laughs) exactly i mean yeah so it's it's way drastically different and it is a weird thing to cope with i think it has been for me as well i mean i get it i yeah. Yeah. It's not just like the financial implication, but I think, you know, there's also the sensitive artist implication, which is, you know, I think there's a level of codependency between the artist and like the audience saying, it's good. Give us more, you Absolutely. know, and if you're not getting that, suddenly you become very pathetic, or at least I do. <laughs> I, anyway, I you know what like, you mean. Is anything we're doing good? Do people yeah, yeah. care? Yeah. Like, is anyone even asking for this shit? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that was like, you know, growing pains there. Um, and, you know, just all the other, it's not like we came into the, when the pandemic, like with our shit together. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we already, I guess it's like, oh shit, we're already dealing with just like tripled and all our friends are all on the road. So literally haven't, other than you know my bandmates i have not oh, seen yeah, a single yeah. friend in a year yeah yeah, yeah. Months, you know because nobody lives where i live actually oh, right yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah i'm in like a little bit of a different mindset because you know with entheos and stuff it's like we're still kind of getting started and, and i've had a bunch of years at home like you know i have you know a day job and i i know what a, a easy home routine is like you know so i know that for people that are in the bigger bands and stuff it must be a lot like weirder. drastically different yeah, yeah. for sure yeah I, I don't know it's just it's almost like an identity crisis in a weird way because you're thinking okay well if i'm home i gotta be this you know okay i'm gonna be the home guy i'm gonna keep the house clean keep the yard nice you know do the guy <laughs> stuff that i never do when i'm gone replace the water heater like yeah. whatever i'm gonna be of value in some way um but then it's like you try to be that internet person too, and you're like, well, I'm not going to post this shit. Like, yeah, I, I this is not. Uh, it's so you, I don't know. It's like this, you kind of get torn in a weird way. And it's like, I know how to be the guy on stage that everyone goes, Jesus, that guy's got problems. This is fucking great. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not good at being an internet persona. I don't know how to be that person. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I mean, I've been, I, I totally feel that. So I think lately, especially over the pandemic, I was like, you know what, man? Fuck, I'm just going to get into this like internet thing and just like see how creative I can get with it as if it's another, just another way to be creative. Uh, creative. Yeah. yeah. You know, another another form, form of, of creativity. Even though it's not like my first pick originally, you know, but now I think right. I'm, I'm having fun with it, you know? And yeah. it's like now I, I feel like, um, it's just kind of second nature, like like doing anything else. Like I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm making a little video, right? Totally. Today, you know? But Talk. I totally also I get exactly what you ma- what you mean because for me it's like I'm not the most out there person. I feel strange when I like put all of my feelings in an internet status. So to to do that like as a form of a uh, musical career to me, it just makes me I- I'm not at ease when I do it. 
So it's not like my <laughs> favorite thing to be on the internet all of the time. I do recognize, on the other hand, that it it is a valuable tool. Like the internet is good for all of the band stuff. Yeah. But there is a level of you know is uh, this is kind of silly. There's yeah, like a yeah. silliness factor you have <laughs> to get over. Definitely. And I think, Mike, I, you know, it's hard, I guess, because we try to take the band so seriously and, you know, it's a silly thing, but it's serious. Our intent is is serious. Sometimes it's hard to kind of contrive and frame our, what we're doing in a way to work in a post. Cause you know, like, you know, if you craft a post a certain way, it's, it'll do better or do worse and whatnot. And sometimes when you're like, okay, if I, make this work the way the internet wants it to work to get attention like suddenly i feel like we lost the plot on like the kind of band that we are which mm-hmm. is like we don't care about perception everyone dies let me just go in you know just go all in on that shit Fuck it. yeah i, I guess we kind of are but yeah, yeah I, as far as what the band's been doing i mean we we really like got into writing mode pretty quick we also like lost a member right on the right. cusp yeah. of covid so that was right. kind of weird because it was almost felt like they happened at the same time but they were really only like two months apart i guess yeah um and we went we went and did a tour we did the supported thy art when with uh neil from devil driver real great guitarist real nice guy oh, okay. well. um and then just came back and haven't done anything so it was kind of weird like we lost the guitarist um and then also you know world war x didn't really perform the way that we all hoped it was going to really um that's no that's surprising yeah we were hoping it was you know it was supposed to sort of break us out get you know beyond deathcore that was why we you know brought Alyssa in and tried to go for it with the big vids and then tried to you know do the tour with three teeth it was like Uh i feel like for so many years we just got the door slammed in her face, you know, you guys are deathcore, like sit down, no one cares, yeah. not a real band, <laughs> you know, never could break that top echelon of, of tours. Like just can't get past summer slaughter. Like that's, mm-hmm. that can't be the ceiling for a deathcore band. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we were trying to change that. And I, I don't know that it did. I mean, maybe, you know, COVID killing the whole cycle didn't help, but right. regardless, you know, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. It's also fascinating because to me, I've jammed World War X and I think it's fucking awesome. It's like a, just a record that you listen to and the solos are awesome. You're you're like banging your head the entire time. I want to watch that and drink a beer. I'm And, and when uh-huh. I listen to it, I think like this could open for the bigger metal bands in the same yeah, way definitely. that I think that with Black Dahlia. Like I think that that you guys are bands that are capable of doing all of those things. So it's fascinating to me to hear that you think that it's been so hard to, to bust that ceiling of doing it. Yeah, I get, you know, it's, it's no matter what band you are, you just look up and say, well, look what they have, Yeah, you know? So, yeah, you know, I'm sure, you know, Slipknot is going, God, fucking Metallica, man. (laughs) You know, it's like no matter who you are, you can always say there's, I wish we were this bigger band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so true. So, you know, we did want to break out. We're like, why can't we be direct for Arch Enemy? Why can't we be direct for Lamb of God? Why can't we tour with Behemoth or Amon Amarth? Mm -hmm. Like, are we really just the bastard? We're just the juggalos of the metal scene. Like just deathcore can't be trusted on the road with any yeah. of this real metal, you know, they'll just ruin it. They'll shit all over the place. And we just got so sick of that. You yeah. know, we were just yeah. like, look, we're going to do a big record and look, we can get big artists and you want, 
you know, rock God solos, have a rock God solo. Yeah, totally. But it really kind of didn't do what we hoped. So. Well, so are you writing the next record with the, th- the same like thing in mind, the same inspiration? No, no, we went the other way. We basically, and the record's <laughs> actually finished. It it's it's oh, awesome. done. Yeah, oh, we're okay. right there. Sure. They're tracking right now. Like the guy, like Corey just left like an hour ago. Are you, uh, um, can you okay. say who you have working on it or you don't want to say? It's just, it's just us and Mick Kinney. Awesome. Nice. Well, yeah. And that was, so that's another thing too. You know, on World War X, we like, you know, we went and got the name, you know, work with Jay, get Angel Vivaldi, work with Ted Jensen. Like we really wanted to, be like, you know, you know, Jensen did Pantera, right? Like mm-hmm. he mastered uh-huh. Pantera and, and Deftones and like all these huge records, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. So we're like, look, we'll go get big rock ga- names and all that stuff. And, um, I don't know, it just didn't really add up to anything. So yeah. I think this time we just said, let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. Well, I know that you said that you're, you guys are self-managed, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering, do you, do you think that ever has any play in like breaking out of that ceiling that you think you're in? I mean, because I know there's like yeah. insider yeah. Well, politics. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you. I don't know if there are a lot of people who realize how how kind of it, how it comes into play to have certain people working with you. It, it does help in certain situations to be like associated with certain names. Yeah. Oh, more than that. I mean, you know, and that's the thing is like, speaking of like the duality of an artist, Mm -hmm. so easily I can like slip into fuck the industry guy where it's like you can just look around the room and you're like half the dudes in that band don't even like metal. Yeah. You know, half the dudes (laughs) in that band didn't even write their album. Yeah, That vocalist doesn't even write his own lyrics. It's like... I, it's easy to do that and get real pissed because, you know, we've been around for 16 years and I feel like we're still like trying to get people to like acknowledge us. When I say people, I, I guess I mean, appro- it's approval from like yeah. the industry at large, oh, I yeah. think. Yeah. I you guys I mean. are, I mean, you guys mm-hmm. are a pretty big band. I mean, I mean yeah. Just from yeah, my point Okay, so take Whitechapel, <laughs> for example. My, you know. Like, yeah. I think, yeah. like, take Walker, they put, they put the valley out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that record didn't like show everybody that look at there's no boundaries on deathcore stop treating these bands different yeah yeah i don't know what record there is to write like yeah, that yeah. was yeah. the most you know they had super brutal super beautiful like depth of story you know depth of artistic intention all this stuff and i was like if they can't get a grammy nom on that thing we got fucking problems and then <laughs> look at the fucking grammy noms they were horrible yeah, and it's just yeah. like I'm just like really, you guys are gonna throw code orange up again, again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come on, that's a boy band. That's an industry boy band. They're put together by the biggest management in the biz and the biggest label in the biz. That's it. That's yeah. the only reason they're on these tours. It's the only reason they're getting Grammy noms, and they're ignoring real bands. And it just, I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way. I think that's the Grammys, though. I think is like the crux, like pinnacle of like <laughs> of all of, of the stuff we're talking about, like the who, the the right. ass kissing and who do you know? Who knows? Who. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, dude, fuck, it's so hard not. I mean, you're like, oh, I could go there. It's like it's really hard not to go there. You know, I don't think I know anybody who plays in a band who's not like a little bit, a little there, a little salty about <laughs> yeah. the whole thing, dude. You know what I mean? No, I just- I hate that. Per- I hate being that person, but it's so easy. Cause then, then you're just the guy that's like, 
yeah, my band should be bigger. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be that person, but yeah. sometimes I'm like, you know, you know, real talk, deathcore <laughs> should be bigger. You know? Yeah. No, I know not. what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to like, I, I, I think it's important to be self-aware that I do that for sure. But then also yeah. just, you know, when I am talking to like a manager or, you know, whatever industry person, it's like, I try to be real with them. You know, I'm like, Hey, here's some actual solid points about this band. And yeah. here's some stuff where we're lacking. You know, like we've been talking to a label. You know, we actually just, we signed to a label. Oh, I'm not going to say which one it is yet. But when we were talking to him, you know, I was like straight up. It's like, hey, dude, the band, when you look at these particular stats, it's good. When you look over here, it sucks. Yeah. You know? So I think it's, uh, I mean, that has been, I guess, kind of helpful to me. You know, just kind of trying to see things from that point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's and that was something we kind of did uh, uh, on this new album too. Is like we really kind of took a reckoning with w- the areas that we suck, and like for us, it's Spotify. Like our Spotify numbers are garbage. Same. And I don't know. We were looking that, at yours today. Look pretty good to me. I'd be like, if I had those. I, but at number- the same time, I know it. I know that it's like you probably look at you know you're looking at another band Spotify, yeah, and yeah. you're like, fuck, why? You know, yeah, like. Right, I, of I know course. Yeah, I mean, we're comparing ourselves to Whitechapel to Thy Art and yeah, saying, yeah. you know, okay, right. we we're the same band basically. Yeah, yeah. So why why are our numbers lower? And yeah, I think you know, it's to me, I kind of look back at World War X again and feel like you know we made some errors there, where we were really focusing on physical product and let's right. do all these vinyl variants and let's like do the box set with you know with the VHS thing and put these knickknacks in there. And I, I realized that that was probably something we should have done in like 2010. You think so? Just, you don't think the vinyl variants were a good idea? I mean, we didn't sell all of them yet. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought they were a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that this has to do? Okay, so you put it out. What year did that album come out? Like 19? At 19. Yeah, so, we were on the Summer Slaughter Co. with uh, Cattle D. So, do you think that. Because let's say eight months later, touring was cut off and you weren't able to like fulfill the World War X thing to the most degree that it should have been fulfilled. Do you think that that has anything to do with the way that you feel it was uh, received? Um, I'm sure it does in part because those songs like so basically what happened is like uh, as far as like um, I don't know, retail is the wrong word, but it shows how old I am. Like, as far as like the the industry perception of how the album performed, how many streams did you get? Uh, how many views did your did your YouTube music vids get? Uh, what were your first week numbers? All those numbers uh, underperformed. They were all down from Slow Death. Um, well, our streaming was up, but you know, we had like a three year gap, so that kind of didn't count. Um, and then, not touring in the fall because we thought we were going to be doing the big tour in the spring. And also we had gotten that offer from Slipknot to go to uh, do those two shows in South America with them. Mm -hmm. And so we had gotten those way early. So we just were like, let's just do these two shows. Let's not do any U S touring in the, in the fall and save it all for the March thing. Um, it's like those songs never got a chance to prove themselves in front of an audience yeah. mm-hmm. and they didn't perform well, like to the industry's expectation. Right. So I think in my mind, I'm just like, well, I never, I never saw the audience give them their approval cause we never got a chance to play them. Yeah. And then I already know the, you know, kind of on the business side, they underperformed. So I was like, you know, 
fuck this album on to the next <laughs> which it's it's i know it seems so weird to say that but i'm i know you guys have stuff in your past where your experience with what you put out is just completely different with oh, yeah. how it you know where people are picking it up at oh you yeah know? Oh, dude, of course sure, man. i mean i feel like that after like almost every album that i make i'm like <laughs> fuck that thing dude hate yeah. it moving on i mean yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh no! Please go. I was. Oh no, no no no! I mean, that's just being a musician, straight up. I think like, so. part of that's being a musician for sure. But I, I I hear what you're saying. Like in particular, you got a little more stats and whatnot to kind of go along with it. Yeah, and it's. I think we were just like kind of lost our focus a little bit. Like maybe, maybe by trying to be bigger than like try to move beyond, not beyond, but try to grow more more than the deathcore genre. We sort of lost a little bit of our identity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the records are like not as, I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't have, you, you know how like a, a, a record that catches you is just because it's, it's really different. They're really just pushing everything further than what you normally hear. And maybe world war X was kind of safe. You know, it was like the production was a little safe. Um, the songs were, were a little safe, I guess, but we were trying, you know, it's kind of by design. So I, I put a lot of it like on our shoulders as yeah. it's not that, those songs are bad i think yeah. it was just the way it was framed kind of how we rolled it out yeah we, we should just sort of on this album we're really just focusing on what we've always done you know yeah. we brought back samples uh-huh so we're very excited about that <laughs> no, I, I think bringing the sample back yeah i think that always works you know when you're just like hey you know what we're gonna be us like the most us on fucking steroids yeah and fuck you guys if you don't like it you know that's kind of dude that's like where i've been you summed it up yeah. 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 It was just like, okay, you know, World War Flex didn't work. Then fuck them. Like, <laughs> you're just gonna get the the absolute most concentrated version of Carnifex. And if it's the last one, you know, we we went out swinging. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to hear it. I really but, am too. Are you? That, if uh, it's the last one, you guys aren't thinking about like calling it quits now, are you? No, but I always feel like every record we do is like the last one. I don't know. Maybe it's because we were on victory for like yeah. seven years. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like at any moment our career is just an accident. You know? yeah. I don't know. So you but, guys were on victory for seven entire years? Yeah, we did three records with them. So Damn, that's brutal. Yeah, that's brutal. And I remember you kind of saying that you guys actually broke up for a little while after you were off of victory, right? <laughs> Yeah, pr- basically, it was this. It was again. It was kind of. It's kind of, you know, playing. You know, they're playing their games. We're playing ours. Uh, and Victory played a lot of games. Basically, it sort of went off the. Well, it went off the rails with our relationship with them, like super early on. But it really was like a non-starter when we got to until I feel nothing. Um, they just didn't know how to promote us, or they didn't care. They they just had no ideas. Yeah. They just had no ideas, and and we were still very much like struggling to get on good tours because being on Victory and being a deathcore band in 2010, 2011, like basically you're, you're just like a bastard child at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us, the record, you know, until I felt nothing was like World War X, another flop. And so I think when we got off of that cycle, again, we had a guitarist quit. Our, our other, you know, lead guitarist. Yeah, Ryan, quit. right? Ryan, exactly, yeah, yeah. yep. Well, and, I, got along, I got along with him really, really well on that <clears throat> when we did Summer Slaughter in 2010 together. Yeah, 2010. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He 
yeah, I just got caught up with some alcohol stuff, but he's straight. He's like good now. You okay. know, we actually talk and stuff now, but, and, um, so I think we were like at this point where we had on the deal was a four album deal. We had, um, our, the last two were options, but they were cumulative sales based options. Oh. So thankfully we went to a lawyer and basically for the fourth option, we had to have a hundred thousand cumulative album sales and we had like 92 thousand. So we were able to get out under that because there was no language specifying okay. who had the discretion. Wow. It's just the number. Nice. So we tried to go through that and it was a little tricky um, because, you know, victory, had, you, you know, victory, you know, they're, they're legally, they're very challenging to deal with. Um, and basically to kind of, we lost our, we lost our agent at that time as well. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had no tours booked. Uh, the, the label basically shit the record out and nobody bought it. And I don't think we had a manager at that time either. So we pretty much were like, let's just say we're broken up. So victory thinks there's no reason to hang on to us. And it's not even worth putting out a record on victory anyway. So either we're broken up or we're going to get off of the label. One of the two. And so we, basically just publicly put out, Hey, the band's on hiatus We're we're not doing anything and we probably won't it's peace. And that was, uh, 18 months. Uh, okay. but Sean and I were riding die without hope through that whole time. Oh, wow. Kind of like, kind of like this, mm -hmm. you know, Sean's the lead writer in the band, like their lead, you know, guitar. That, that tends to be writer. the thing with drummers, huh? Dude, drummers are just the sickest. That's drummers why. write They're, really good riffs. I don't and know. guitar players are just shot human <laughs> beings, worst. dude. They're the worst people. All guitar, player do, all guitar players do is just quit. <laughs> that, that is, well, especially when the drummer is the one writing most of the material. Then they're. Yeah, that might. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously kidding. But. Hang on. Did we just crack why we can't hang on to guitarists? That might be why. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's been somewhat of a problem with our band. You know, that I like write a lot of it and have. That's like my sound or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. so I think maybe people feel like a little bit not like intimidated, but maybe they don't feel like they totally own the music because they're like playing someone else's songs at the I end of the day. I can get that. Yeah, Me I kind of feel like in part that might have been what happened with Jordan in a way. Um, but I don't know. That whole thing was out of the blue. He, he kind of just hit us up and was like, hey, I'm done. Really? Yeah. So you right. didn't you didn't see it coming at all? Not at all. No, oh. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I'm not speaking on it to disparage him in any way, but my, but on my personal side, absolutely no, I did not see it coming. I mean, we, we all killed ourselves for World War X and we were, we just got back from South America, from Brazil, opening two shows for Slipknot and, right. you know, wow. Hey, I, I see you guys. And it was like, okay, that must've been insane. though. <laughs> <Those fucking laughs> All right then, and yeah. then there was four. <laughs> uh -huh. Damn. So uh, yeah, so we were into writing mode basically. Mm -hmm. Now we wrote cursed. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that he wrote a lot of music. I don't know how we never talked about that. Sean. Sean. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Jordan did. He did uh, write. So Jordan joined the band right after we had written "Die Without Hope." So what? You know, we never really had a soloist prior to him. Yeah. And that was an, and you know, and that was another thing too, is we had gotten, you know, shit on so long for kind of being this, you know, these untechnical slobs that we were like, well, 
let's get let's get a soloist in here and let's rip some fucking solos over these blast beats, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so we, we really like Jordan's style because he's you know very much a soloist and really that's like his jam. And so Die Without Hope was was written and then he came in and we put his solos on the record and then we went and recorded it and then Slow Death was you know he's he again did the solos and then i think worked on two or three of the songs and then on world war x it was like 50 50 it was like half sean half jordan and then jordan's solos so it was it was really the album world war x is really the album that is the most um more than just me and sean okay uh that's why it's kind of weird that he just bounced out after Mm -hmm. but some people i mean i have no idea what his reasoning was but touring is hard for some people it the lifestyle gets hard for some people it's not for everyone at all yeah it's it's uh, yeah it's it is gnarly and i think you know as far as like the four of us go you know the last member that joined was fred and he joined in 2007 so it's like we kind of all have eaten all the shit together so even like when things are kind of like Hey, we're playing this Live Nation tour, and it's like, oh, the half the catering's gone by the time we got up here. It's like, it's still a pretty good show for us because we yeah. know where we came from. I know. But then yeah, I guess yeah. it, if you're kind of just stepping into it, it's like you, you just have a higher expectation, oh, whereas the reality is our expectations are pretty low. That's so true. I mean, it there that has happened in our band where, you know, we're not the biggest band in the world, but we've done Summer Slaughter. We've gone to Europe and things like that, and people have stepped into our band, and they haven't really eaten the same shit that Naveen and I have eaten or even Travis. No, you, you and know? you you are the new Jack in my yeah, mind. I'm I mean, <laughs> I honestly haven't I, I have done, you know. But no, but you know, it's like it's a different thing for a person who steps into a band. We noticed that with someone yeah, where it was like there's like a, I don't want to say spoiled, but there's a level of like you have higher expectations yeah. because you've stepped in at such a high level where to me it's like the fact that in Europe you're on a bus and have a bunk and can step out and just get catering, that's like high class yeah, living like, to me. How you can't ever complain about that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, No, I miss that shit. Are you kidding me? I, I got to make breakfast myself here. This I know. is horrible. I know. Yeah. And, and for me, like I'm even... I feel like I have a unique uh, perspective because it's like I've done that in a couple bands and like got you know kind of far and then gone to a point where I didn't think that I would ever be in a touring band again. You know, so for me, like anything we get to do is like amazing. Like when we did that tour with you guys and Whitechapel, I was just like, dude, this is the fucking sickest thing ever. That tour like, was fantastic. Yeah, yeah like that the, was a great. Like tour. the fact that I'm even here right now after being in like you know, four different touring bands and I'm still making this happen. This is fucking sick. Yeah. You know? And that's how I feel. I still feel like that now, you know, just that I even have right. any opportunity is way. I'm really appreciative of it. You I know agree. what I mean? For sure. So. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people that have been touring for a minute definitely have that, that feeling, especially when, and two, you know, it's like uh, for Sean and me, it's like, this is, is our band. Like literally when, you know, we were just, to nobody's in a bedroom in Fallbrook. And it's like, talk about no industry connections. Like we don't have anything to do with the music biz, never have. And so I think for us, it's like, it's kind of just like, you know, the, I, the thinking about like when you're out on tour, maybe it's like a little shitty or things aren't going well. Yeah. Like there's not a, well, I wish I was home or what else could I be doing? I don't have that thought just because mm-hmm. I, I don't know. 
it's just sort of we move past that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i feel the same way i don't have that thought i just it's like i'm on you know this is what i'm what i do so it's, right yeah it's like i'm doing this so yeah. on the new album is like sean doing a lot of the writing then on this one yeah yeah sean's probably i'd say it's like 80 80 20 yeah with okay. Corey. Corey stepped up and has done a lot of writing which is really great uh-huh. you know i think too for Corey's situation um you know when jordan was there it's easy to kind of let him be the lead guitarist yeah um and you know like Corey's like the workhorse like he doesn't get precious about riffs or am i playing someone else's riffs he's like yeah, yeah. That's I a, just want to shred and, and be on stage. That's a great, you know? uh, a great um, thought process to possess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hard to find that. Yeah, <laughs> it, totally. So I think it's like that. It's kind of the situation where, like, now that um, you know, it's kind of like a slightly more. It's like an environment where there's like a little bit less to prove, just because you know it's me, Corey, and John, like. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. if we if we're weird around each other at this point, something's wrong. You know, it's like we've been in the he's been in the band since '06. You know, wow. and then me and Sean since '05. So it's like I think at this point, it's just so easy and casual, and yeah. it's like no expectation, no pressure, and in a weird way, like it, that's making the album way more fun. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to show too. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think we can sort of relate to that because like the last album that we did, like dark future album, we were kind of like, yeah, let's get, you know, everyone involved in writing, you know, not just so much me doing everything. It was the most full band record we've ever done. Yeah. And it's like, let's showcase Mm. everyone's talents and stuff. And like, that's way cool for sure. But I feel like sometimes music makes more sense when like just a couple people, when the vision is a little more sharp, you know what I mean? So yeah, like, it's kind of it can be like a film, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. where like a studio comes in with their notes and suddenly you're like this thing's shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so cuz when you have that many people working on it, it's like compromise happens for sure, you know. Yeah. And like not in a negative way, but it was it was more of that was more like the mindset, you know. Yeah, no, it, it was it's it, in a teamwork situation with that many people, compromise is just it's not a bad thing. It's just a part of the process. Yeah. It just happens yeah. with that many people. Yeah. And especially if you're not like, I'm not the type of guy who I'm going to be like, argue, you know, like old school. When you think of like some old school band, like my part has to be, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go with the right. flow and make it cool. You know, I'm not, I'm not delusional like that about it, but like on this album that we're working on, it's like, it's just me and Chaney making it. And like, I don't know. It's just turning out so crazy because everything is so like uh, just focused in. You yeah. know what I mean? And it doesn't have to. There's like the vibe no, doesn't change from like one guy's riff to the next or yeah. something like that. It you know seems I mean? it's very. It seems like the most honest thing that that we've done. And I'm wondering if you can relate. Do you feel yeah, like it's, I think so. It sounds like that's a good word. Honest, yeah. yeah. Because I think in a lot of ways you could look at, you know, if you kind of just want to put it under like an artistic integrity magnifying glass you could say well you know maybe the world war x didn't do so well is because you know what you guys were kind of contriving the whole thing in a way it's like you know we're like let's let's get the market yet you know Alyssa, let's do the huge vids let's you know kind of take on these traits of the bigger metal bands and try to frame ourselves as as one of those like type of bands and in a way i I, there was i mean i guess there's a little bit of disingenuous in that because it it's not that we were drawn to those decisions naturally. We were drawn to them because we're like, 
we, you know, we got to make some moves here. We can't just be, uh-huh. you know, playing bars all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that there's an aspect because you guys are one of those bands, you guys are on tour all the time. Do you feel like there's an aspect of being home and being like probably a little more connected with like yourself as an individual? Do you think that that uh, was at play with making a more like, I guess, honest record? It was, yeah, it was. And I think, um, you know, in this weird way we had gotten, especially since we put out Die Without Hope, we had gotten into this uh, tour, write, record schedule. Yeah. Um, well, you know, every, every band gets locked into it. And I think we sort of, my own identity had changed. In a weird way, I wasn't kind of the weirdo goth kid that was writing all these lyrics on the first three records where no one gave a shit and no one was looking. It's like, we got to these last couple ones and it's like, Oh, things are getting bigger. Things are getting better, better. We're, we're making some money. We're getting good tours. And it's then you're kind of not that kid anymore. And maybe you don't have like quite as angsty feelings or you're not just, you're not just not as much piss and vinegar in you because, yeah, yeah. well, you know, things aren't that bad actually. Right. <laughs> you know, like, pretty good, you know? Uh, but yeah, we'll make this record fucking sick. Don't worry. And maybe, you know, losing the fucking tour, you know, kind of sitting here going, Jesus, like, am I even a musician anymore? Like, uh, you know, like, why am I even doing on this planet anymore? If I'm not able to be an entertainer, I think those feelings of displacement, not because when you're on tour, you're home, right? Your homies are there. The the shows are kicking. You can feel good there. So creating records in that environment, you, maybe more you're just kind of looking around the room, seeing what the other bands are doing. I was, yeah, yeah. was going to bring that up because I feel like, you know, we've gone on certain tours where we're like, damn, maybe we should like do something a little more like that. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. you look at another band and you, I feel like there's way more, um, it, there is influence that comes from touring with bands. You see things mm-hmm. that happen and you're like, fuck, the crowd goes crazy during that part. Maybe we should have one of those parts. Yeah, and yeah. and being home, probably, you know, you're not looking around the room as much. No. And also, I think we, in a weird way, the underperformance of the last album kind of made us, kind of made me take more stock mm-hmm. and kind of say, you know, what, what was the original spark about us that like kind of like what got people stoked on us? You know, it wasn't, we didn't gin it up. We, we just were writing shit we liked and all of a sudden it popped. So I was like, well, the hell were we doing? You know, it was on accident, but really. And so I think it was kind of, we kind of tried to go back to that and sort of not in a contrived way, but just in a real way saying like, what were the things about us originally that people really loved? Absolutely. And we were like, you know, the overproduction, that was never us. So <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. that. You know, and it's like, we never had any guest vocalists. So fuck guest vocalists. There's no guest vocalists on this next record. And then it just all the other things like the high budget videos. We screw that. We're doing low budget videos. And, you know, working with all the other people, and we just said, whatever. We can just get Mick to mix it yeah. and call it good. So yeah, I'm excited to hear it. I'm really excited. Um, so I wanted to like kind of swing back to the management thing. What you said you guys didn't have management for a while before you decided to get management and then you decided not to have management again. What inspired? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we got the first time we didn't have management was because um, we we fired we fired them just because they 
they weren't doing anything. And then they called our agent at the time and, uh, who was Matt Pike at Kenmore, mm-hmm. which Kenmore is not even a place anymore, but is Matt they Pike called them up. It? Yeah. And they were like, you have to, you have to drop card effects. And they did. Oh, and so that was what? just like one more thing where I'm just like, fuck this biz, yeah, you yeah. know? And so when we came back in t- 2013, we got, we had a new manager. It was uh, Mike Mowry at Outer Loop Management. Yep. And we had a new uh, agent. It was Matt Anderson with, at the time, it was Pantheon, which was mm-hmm. Ash's booking agency. Right. Yeah. And so that was, that was 2013. And we, we had that set up till right before 2016, because in between those few years, if you may recall, Pantheon became the agency group. Yeah. Dave Shapiro's company. And then he sold to UTA, um, which is like a big Wilshire agency that doesn't care or know anything about metal. <laughs> so we all ended up at UTA for a minute. And then UTA being, you know, corporate overlords that they are, they decided that, well, agents have too much of a relationship with their bands. We don't want bands to have a relationship with their agents. <laughs> we want bands to have a relationship with UTA. Mm. So what they did was say, said no longer does one agent represent a band agents represent territories and each agent books a territory for that band so now if an agent says i'm going to quit and take my roster with me they don't have a roster so it was uta's way of making the agent less important and making sure they suck all the blood out of the band yeah um needless to say we lasted there about four months before they dropped us (laughs) uh what happened was i I remember we were in the studio for slow death and matt our agent calls us and he goes yeah man i got some bad news Uh, you know this that and the other thing and the director from uta was bands that were five thousand a night on their way to 15 and in my mind i'm like that's not one. That's one. Not one metal band around here. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. five on their way to fifteen. I know. Yeah. Try fifteen hundred on their way to two thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No shit. Seriously. Maybe right. five hundred on their way to fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, you added a zero, right? Yeah. You know, this is metal, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, so we got dropped from UTA, and then uh, JJ Kasiri at uh, Circle Talent picked us up, and then they became. 33 and West. And we've been with him as our agent since 2016. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, uh, ultimately we fired outer loop because again, they just, they weren't doing anything. They're just forwarding us our agents emails. It's like all the merch was us. All the tours came from friends saying be on our tour. Um, they just, just nothing, no ideas. It didn't, I don't just didn't bring anything to the table. Literally just forwarded the emails from the agent and, you know, took 15%. So yeah, like yeah. kind of just fired him. Yeah. Waiting for you guys to get big and that just kind of chilling. I guess. I, I don't <laughs> know. The whole, the whole manager thing at, for like young, small bands is I think very predatorial because it's just, it's 50 year old guys that know that are like part of the biz and they know they can just commission these kids to death and whether the band makes it or not, it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. I feel, I Um, feel like we really lucked out. We have our, our manager is Steve Davis. So he manages like, you know, white chapel and cannibal and stuff. Steve, Steve has been an incredible um, person. He's the only member who's been a, he's been a member of our band as long as we have. And he's done a lot of great things for us. However, I think that had we, 
like gotten gone with anyone else but Steve, I don't think we would yeah, have done that. It's just strictly because we got so lucky to work with someone who's so amazing and believes in us so much yeah. that he's just been like, I I couldn't have imagined a more amazing person to have yeah. helping us through this whole thing. But I agree with you. I think that, you know, when there's a manager who goes to a young band and they're like, here, sign a contract, give me 15 fucking percent starting right now. That's incredibly predatorial. Yeah, and yeah. it's not, I don't. Like I wouldn't even recommend. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was gonna say if you yeah. run the math out on your, you know, your band, you're you're not getting fifteen percent. Yeah, you know, so. and it's like I don't, I wouldn't even recommend to a band that was just starting out to go and try to get management right away because there are so many things that you can achieve on your own as a band, especially with the internet at your fingertips. That like management is probably something you should think about like a little down the road. Yeah, definitely. And for us, I mean, for us, is it's a little weird because Steve Davis, like, he manages, like, big bands, you know? So right. for, for us, it's like, it's a friendship for sure. Mm -hmm. And, like, anything we ever ask him to do, he'll do it. But it's like, you know, he's not really, a, you know, he's not going to post, like, on our Instagram or something like that. You know what I mean? So it's been, right. it's been yeah. a sort of a, a learning process i guess for all of us in that way but like yeah if there's ever anything that we need it's like dude he's right there to help us with it and he, it's he's like, like our band dad yeah it's like the best he's seriously <laughs> I mean, the he's, best he's, fucking I dude ever, i couldn't right? even say um i mean i have a million great things to say about steve and how much he's helped us and how much like just a friend and a yeah. family member he's been to us th throughout this entire process and without He's, like, encouraged Naveen and I in a point where we were, like, you know, we're two people now trying to take on an entire band by ourselves. People don't really do that that yeah, often. Yeah, it's odd. So it's been, <laughs> like, really cool to have his encouragement along the way. However, yeah. I do totally know that not every band gets as lucky as we did. <laughs> and there are yeah, a lot of sure. people out there who are just trying to take money from from bands who don't even make money in the first place. Yeah, and I don't know. I think we were also kind of just, we felt like we were just, like, we kind of just like, oh, I guess this is it. Like, we have the manager, we're signed to Nuclear Blast, we have the agent. I guess this is it. Yeah. And we just weren't, we just didn't, that just didn't sit well with us, I guess. So, you know, part of, also part of not having a manager right now is, it was kind of left over from our World War X plan, which was we wanted to go through the World War X cycle unmanaged yeah. to track the attention of the upper echelon of managers, which we we're trying to get five B slipknots management. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's another reason, like, I don't know that, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we can't keep up cause we're like, we're not at the cool kid table. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I feel like we're just, we're never going to get in. You know, even our tours coming up, they're all great tours. None of them are not deathcore tours, uh -huh. you know? So it's like, yeah. I'm kind of just like, man, I guess maybe this is it. And, and we should just be okay with that. Like, you know, Slayer wasn't worrying about who they toured yeah. with. They were just a thrash man. Right. I, I yeah. think that's what, you know, if you wanted my advice, I'd say that's the way to go. Don't wor fucking worry about it. You know? But I think that also yeah. within that, that those things do inevitably come to people like you guys are like us you guys are still fairly young you know metal bands it's like you can last for a, yeah. a long fucking time playing this and there are a lot of bands i mean to me it's like look at a band like gojira they're seeing their day now and those guys are like almost 50 yeah to me Jeez, they're seeing yeah, their or, day now 
Amon Amarth, what Twilight of the Thunder Gods was like their eleventh record. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Have you heard of this band, Amon Amarth?" Yeah. Right, yeah. I know. <laughs> You're like thirty years old, but yes, yeah. yeah. That's why I feel like that's why I feel because I I'm like you sometimes. I feel like dang, I'm kind of old. Like I've been in metal bands for twenty years at this point. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, damn, I'm kind of feeling yeah. old. Am I really like starting this out now? But then yeah, Cheney's like, oh, well, the guys in Gojira are like fifty. I'm like, well, that's fourteen years away for me still. So it's like we could be, you know. <laughs> 14 years deep or whatever tw- that's like 20 years deep in Inthea because we started Inthea when I was 29 so yeah. it's like we could still have like a you know well I just look at it like if you don't keep going if you stop then you never get to see the outcome of what could have been like there are all of these things that could happen uh, if you just continue to be a band and just like persevere through all of the shit that can make you be like what am I doing with my life like shouldn't I be doing something else where I can like break a ceiling or something. The The thought of quitting isn't that fun to me because then I'm just going to wonder like what could yep. have been. Yep. Exactly. I, yeah, I don't know that I could quit. If, if anything, it'd probably be the opposite. It'd probably yeah. be at some point people would be coming to me and there's be like, Hey, it's time to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, we've just spent so much time, like you know, doing this thing that when we started Entheos, I was just like, I'm gonna do this till I'm. That's it. Like that's my last thing I'm doing. You know. And we've had right. already so many ups and downs. We've we've lost the whole band. Basically, it's just me and Cheney. You know. And it's like I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna fucking see what happens. You know. Fuck it. And like, yeah, we have you had have definitely the last what was it year and a half have been pretty much not a whole lot going on but you know we're starting to see like all right some shit starting to form again and it's like it could be really good you know and like what the fuck else am i gonna do i i you know i got no other option i'm too yeah. old for the military and uh i'm a high school dropout so yeah. but that's like a good feel- <laughs> that's a good feeling in my opinion you know i'm like i'm i'm <laughs> Like I didn't I'm go to like college. I other yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I, and I'm kind of like you. Like I didn't even go to high school either. And I'm just like, you know, I was like, fuck. All I ever wanted to do was play drums and make music. And like, I honestly didn't even think that I would ever make any money doing it. You know, I was just like, because when we was, wasn't when I went to metal show, no, definitely yeah. not. Like my mom always says, like I told her when I was like 16. She, you know, she, I, I was straight up just like, mom, don't even worry about it because I I don't think that I'm going to make money doing this. Like, you know, Naveen always told me <laughs> that he wasn't going to make any money doing this. Well, dude, like my ideal, my idol was like, you know, Dying Fetus, and, and yeah. it's like at the time, like Dying Fetus is a band that you could talk about because now they're actually bigger. Dude, they're fucking. Cute. I I couldn't believe Dying Fetus was headlining House of Blues. It's I'm amazing. like this band that when I was a kid I would go and see opening for other bands, and there were five people there when they were playing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fetus is fucking huge now, man. But like, I went to the Destroy the Opposition tour in 2001, and like, dude, there was like 20. 30 people there maybe and i i'm not even thinking like i it, it wasn't even a thought in my mind like oh there's not that many people here i was just like oh my god like, sick you as, were there that's yeah. all that matters i was like exactly. sickest fucking band i've ever seen in my life. like i'm doing that that's what i'm doing i don't care if anybody ever listens to it you know that's my thing for sure so i mean all that to say the stuff that i have got to do has blown blown my mind if i look back on it you know 
Yeah, I think it, it's another this whole you know pandemic like for musicians being stuck at home. I think it was a good tra- chance to like make everyone appreciate what they have again. So yeah, I feel like in this weird way, like most things that artists go through, even though it was bad at the time, it'll probably ultimately be better for a lot of the musicians. Yeah, know? I've thought I've thought of that for sure. Yeah, like. Hopefully there's like just a bunch of banging records come out. You know, just everyone's just like, holy shit, it's the best record they put out. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean I had dude, I had a dream two nights ago that like tour was back and we went to see BT Bam, you know? And everyone was just so stoked. It was like, Yeah, it's back. They did announce their, their tour. I yeah. Know. But I was I was up in uh LA just a f- like a few days ago. Uh it was the day after they opened the indoor dining again. Every single restaurant had a line down the block and the place we ended up going had a 90 minute wait the people are fiending yeah I, yeah i'm, I'm real I'm, yeah. especially <laughs> in california because for anyone who's not in california right now we just like the state just reopened like two yeah. weeks ago gyms reopened we've been under this pandemic thing like the mo- to the nth degree for the past fucking year so you're right yeah. it's like here we went to uh get a beer yesterday at a brewery and it was fucking packed. Yeah. People are sick of, of sitting uh, inside. I think they're like, they're antsy to go. Yeah. Like I can feel it, dude. You know what I mean? Like when I went <laughs> out like a month or two ago, it was kind of like, all right, what's going on with COVID or like now though, when we go, I'm like, yeah, people are ready to like start living life. Yeah. They're just like, yes, I'm here. Kill me. Do it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like, like what I was saying was before people were like wearing masks and like, not trying to go out now they're just wearing masks yeah you know that's kind of yeah. where i'm at with it now but are you you guys are you got some shit planned you're gonna go on tour yeah we're we go back out july 8th oh Sick, nice man. is where is it at so well we were we had a, initially this was summer of 20 we were playing like five or six of these the u.s summer festivals which was actually really exciting for us because the U.S. summer festival cir- circuit is kind of starting to, to get big. But yeah. and for the most part, like underground metal bands are not on them. It's so true. You know? When I saw you guys on that, I got stoked because most of the time they're booking like radio rock shit on those festivals. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So th- those were for 20. And then obviously everything happened and they all got kicked to to 21. Mm-hmm. But then the ones that were all supposed to happen, it, it went from like whatever it was four or five. I can't remember how many we had, uh, but now it's one. So we have one, one festival that that lasted through and it's like, out. it's rock fest, uh, in okay. Wisconsin. So we're just doing a week there and a week back. Awesome. Um, and that's like our, you know, those are our first dates back. And other than a few other things, I don't know how many metal tours are going out much earlier than July. So So, it's probably one of their their ones. Something that I was kind of thinking about, what did you guys talk about? You know, obviously we're not exactly sure what the state of things is going to be like in July. And did you guys kind of talk about like, all right, so how, like at what point do we cancel? And is it like, all right, if if it's the type of thing where we can only have like 30 people there, are we just going to fucking power through it no matter what? You you know what I mean? Like, have you guys had that kind of a talk? No, because I think like, well, Texas, for example, it's just game on. Yeah. Uh-huh. They have no, they're, they're mandating zero restrictions, period. Mm-hmm. So all their venues are 100% cap. 
no distancing. Currently, there, no that's map. What doing? Absolutely. Texas okay. is going for it. So they're like, right now. All right. Well, shit. Okay. So you're, you guys are feeling pretty confident that it's like we're you know some shows are going to. I think it's going to happen, and it's like you know if I showed you where we're playing, like you know Jake's in Lubbock, yeah, and yeah. fucking eighty ninth Street in OKC. Oh, yeah, you okay. know, it's like mm-hmm. nobody's checking anything there. Yeah, you know what true. I mean? Yeah. So, well, at Jake's, I, I believe, happened. is one of the only venues in the country that still allows uh, cigarette smoke. Yeah. Because Jake's is the one that has a restaurant <laughs> right next to it, right? I love it. It's like, wear the mask for COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're like, but we know cancer. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're doing masks, but smoking is chill. Yeah, you can still smoke. Yeah. No, you, the, the nicotine in cancer could kill you, kill you but not the V. So... <laughs> Oh, well. But, yeah, we're playing some gigs, and Rockfest is going. And then we have a a real tour uh, September 3rd mm-hmm. that kicks off September 3rd. That's so, a, it's a Live Nation tour. So I don't know what restrictions they'll have, but I did see they put out a big thing to their shareholders that they're expecting, uh, you know, record revenue for the quarter. So. I could see that happening, dude. Too. You know what I mean? I and people too. are like, it's fucking, we're back. Like, I've taken a break from touring for this long, but touring's not taking a break for this long like it's it's fucking crazy right man. you know yeah no no shows that's great and i don't know Corey taylor put out his uh his uh solo tour yeah it's already sold out wow so wow Very you know i mean what i will say is that we saw that bt bam tour announced and we live in santa cruz so it's three hours away from sacramento and naveen and i would never ever in our lives drive to a show in sacramento but when I saw that BT Bam is only like, playing in SAC, yeah. we're like, we're fucking going yeah, to the show down. because I'm so sick of not seeing live music yeah. that I'm like down to to do things that I would only do when I was a kid. Drive to a show. I think that's gonna be the sentiment, uh sentiment of the public at large. So yeah. I feel like uh I feel like this tour will do okay, even though we're playing like small places. I think they'll be they'll be full. And I, I mean, you guys know like road sales of merch just they dwarf the internet sales no matter no matter how great your month was one night at a good show it crushes it you know so because there's not like drunk people walking through your house trying to (laughs) buy shit unless you're me i I sometimes get a little tipsy and order (laughs) merch that's what i've been doing like i got this wormed shirt but i mean you know oh wait a minute that new black metal band no they're uh they're like a they're not um, super old, but it's like a tech metal kind of brutal. I would situation. say it's more in the like artificial brain realm. Do you know them? Oh, okay. I've heard I've heard their music Dude, too. Dude, they're sick. They're like I heard them before, and I was like, "Hmm, that's really crazy." And I guess it's cool. And then like, like I've, I said, over the last couple of months, I've just been like, I was like, right, you know what? I'm gonna get into what's up with the current metal scene. You know, I'm gonna check it out. Get like no judgment. Check it all out and like get into it. And I'm like. Dude, the metal being made now is like sicker than ever. It's like there's so many fucking crazy good bands. It's awesome. So yeah, what's what's West's new band? Alluvial. Alluvial. Yeah. Alluvial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm excited to uh, to hear those guys. I think they're for sure they're the opener on this September tour that we're doing. So it's cool to check them out. That's what's up, man. Yeah, I mean they have that one song and stuff. Yeah, be cool to hear the rest. Yeah, I'm waiting for the rest of the album, but I, I like Wes. I'm glad he got a band out, and I like the, that vocalist when he was filling in for uh, 
Suffo. Nice. Oh, that's right. He yeah. did that. Yeah, that's Wes cool. is a good dude. Yeah. Um, God, what was so? Do you guys like have? Are you going to put out a record before you go back on tour in the fall? Our release date is September third. Oh, nice. Uh, and we're kind of doing a different thing with our singles. We're like, we're not. So we totally switched our whole plan. It's completely streaming focused. Mm-hmm. So um, we're releasing four singles uh like before the record even comes out basically okay. nice. and you can't even buy anything for the first four we're not there's no merch we're just trying to basically train everyone like our entire fan base that if when carnifex releases something the only way you can s- consume it is by streaming it all day and night got it and that's you know we're trying to get the spotify numbers up yeah. and so we're, we're doing that for the first four singles and then the record comes out uh, September 3rd. So we have four singles between April 9th and September 3rd that all kind of come out like every six weeks. Oh, that's sick. And we're doing videos for, for two of them. Okay. So you got you one at- coming out pretty damn soon. April 9th, yeah, is our first one. Hell yeah. yeah. Are you, is this a Nuclear Blast record as well? Yes. Yeah, we re-signed with them um, r- right when we went in to do World War X because we wanted more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. yeah. Don't Which we all? Was a good time. If we tried to resign now, they'd be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That World War X, I don't know, man. They're like, uh, okay. the state of touring is in complete jeopardy <laughs> as to what's going right. on. Right, but streaming is like, it's just streaming companies' revenue was up like 300% for 2020, so, you know, right. they're doing right. better than that. Right, yeah, I know. It has to be. It has to be I know, like which that. is interesting. You know, so many people hate on streaming, but I do think that it's... It, it is valuable. I don't really mind streaming because I don't think people understand that like when we're signed to labels, we pay them for our records as well. So we're not when it when it comes to music, we're not making a whole lot of money off of the actual record. It's like you said the merch sales on tour is where it's at for us for yeah. bands like yeah. us. Yeah. Of course. But I I've had the thought like dude, do you have Spotify? Uh, I have the the artist app, so I can agonize over our stats, but I don't I don't use it myself. <laughs> I use Apple Music. Okay, so you do have a streaming thing, like yeah. I, I've been in there like because Channy and I have a joint Spotify account, and it's like fourteen bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know about this, man. This has probably got to go if like musicians are gonna get paid at any point. You know what I mean? Like, how is it possible that I'm paying seven bucks and I just have like all music yeah like on the ever. other on the other hand though i do feel like there are people who find out about music because of spotify definitely so it's like there there is like a give and take to it it does totally suck that uh, that no like no one's making money except for spotify yeah. i mean that's why like when i find out about a new band that i like uh, my new thing is like i order a shirt you know like yeah. that's that's what i'm trying I like to, to do get right. records to, or, or buy the record like try to support in some way because it's like I don't know, man. The Spotify thing is like you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's not going anywhere. That's for damn sure. But I mean, yeah. fuck, man. Sometimes well, I think about it. I mean, the, the tech's the whole thing is disruption, right? So they're they're just in a race to the bottom. And what sucks about tech companies, you know, uh, Spotify is one of them. Uh, maybe they just started recently, but they don't. They're not really even making money. They're operating at a loss. That's and, what I've heard. You know, that's what yeah. I've heard. Right, it's the same with Netflix. You know, you'd think Netflix would be killing it, but they operate at a loss as well. And um, I don't know what that does for. I don't know that intersection between 
how like the kind of app big tech like big corporate world works where it's all about you know get the billion dollar evaluation and then sell never mind that you operated at a loss never mind that you devalued everybody's product never mind that it was a race to the bottom yeah if we can go public and the 10 people that started it can become billionaires we've won the game mm-hmm. and knowing that that's the goal of all these people that start these companies it's it's to disrupt you know yeah. it's yeah. to find a way for them to make their wealth uh in a way that disrupts the norm and if you know, they have to devalue everybody's music to do it. To, who cares? Yeah. They're yeah, make a lot of money doing so it. That, yeah, so that's like you're saying that it's kind of like they're artificially doing that to a whole industry so that they can, you know, a couple of people can mm-hmm. walk away with right. a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's yeah, nuts to me. It's nuts to me. Yeah, it is. You know, I don't know. It just seem it's just humorous to me that it was already bad for musicians, right? <laughs> And then it just seems to get like worse and worse. Yeah. It's like how much uh, was going to happen? You know, well, like, you know, I kind of think it, it goes further back because, like, I think look at look at what film and TV has been doing. So, film and TV at least they have their own apps. Like, you know, I guess Netflix for a minute kind of had a lot of people's stuff, but it wasn't like the one stop shop. It right. never was. Right. Spotify somehow got that, and I think it was because all the labels. Just they had all these like insanely predatory deals that and if you're like a roadrunner type label, you have six and seven album deals on these bands. So they can get big. It doesn't matter. You're you're making all the money off of them for decades. And I think that they were so used to that that they just when Napster and all that popped up, they're just like, well, we're filthy rich and we just made hundreds of millions to the 90s what we're worried about the internet give me a break now yeah, and they never did anything about it yeah and so that's why all the labels are you know they kind of all ate shit but they've come back around because now what the labels are doing is they're they're selling their entire catalog worth of publishing because volume is where the money is in streaming and they're you know that's why i believe a streamer bought nb it's because volume right. and catalog represents money now if you have a, you know, a 10 million songs from 30 years of releasing albums, that that catalog suddenly has a lot of value to a streamer because it's just hours on their app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When did Believe by Nuclear Blast? In 2019. So it was, it was, it was after yeah. you guys re-signed. Or no, it was, yeah. It was like right when... So, right, it was like right at that time. I mean, our deals with NB, but uh, but yeah, it was like right around that time. Do you yeah. feel like that has affected the way that the label works with your band in any way? It does. I'll say it's actually better though, because one of my complaints on the last record was like, the, you know, NB has a plug for all things metal, mm-hmm. but if you kind of want uh, to kind of break that a little bit. Uh, you had to kind of go third party, hire outside publicists or hire outside PR or whatever. Right. Um, now with Believe, um, they have like more resources available to them. And specifically when it comes to like the streaming stuff and dealing with the big DSPs, um, you know, they're a, they're a big streamer themselves. So they have way more, I guess, of a voice at the table. So like getting you remember for a while where it was like all about you have to convince these playlist curators to put you on their Spotify playlist. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's kind of gone now. Like the whole like Spotify curator, like genius guy is not a thing. And really because those guys uh, actually kind of turned a lot of labels and other people off of participating with Spotify. And so now what Spotify is trying to do is they're trying to get, they want artists to drive their, their audience to them. So they're trying to like, you know, offer all of branches to artists as far as like, we'll give you guys covers. We'll give you, we want to give you this placement, but you know, make sure you tell all your fans to listen to us on Spotify. So they have really been, I think, instrumental in improving the relationship between underground metal bands or extreme metal bands and streaming because it kind of wasn't so great a few years ago. It's still all about physical. Yeah. I do notice a lot of nuclear blast bands get put on um, title playlists. And Mm. so I have no experience using title. Do you guys, either of you? I don't even know what it is, to be honest. Yeah. So it's not good. But I mean, (laughs) it's just another, just another streaming app that, you know, didn't quite get as popular. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've thought, I've thought about like, should labels had of just been like, you know what? It's a it's a nuclear blast streaming service. It's five bucks or whatever. You know, it's metal the, blade. The, right. you know? yeah. the metal blade. Right, in the same yeah. in the same like, way that they do, that movies do that. I mean, Disney Plus is fucking thriving yeah. right now because of all of the stuff that they're putting out. Or you know, there are a million yeah. other apps for. But that, I mean, that would take. So I think you could get that going, but it's going to take like. I think it, it might happen eventually. Yeah, you like know, it's going to take some. I will become not cool at some point. It's going to take yeah. some big, na- like the big dogs on a big label, to be like, "Hey, fuck these guys!" You know, we're fucking, you know, doing our yeah. Thing. Or, or like, I wonder if it'll get to the point where like a band will yes, you know, take Tool for example, or like a band that's just like a behemoth, you know, um. Maybe they their you know their pub deal expires or they finally get off the label and they're like. You know what? The only place you can listen to Tool music is on the Tool app. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And you know, fuck a half of cent on every other stream. Like, if you want our music, you guys know where to find it. Anyone can download an app, figure it yeah. out. That's actually a really good idea for something that uh, Bandcamp should think mm-hmm. about integrating. Is like the option for each band to have their. Well, I guess they kind of do. You can just go and play stuff on Bandcamp. Yeah. But I, I haven't. I have no experience with the Bandcamp app. So I don't know if it's, it's, it's I've checked out the app. It's it's kind of uh it, it's not super developed. Yeah, well, like it doesn't like Spotify is like, wow, man, this is amazing. Like, yeah, this I mean, is like heaven. Well, but. big I mean Bandcamp does have the money that they could make something that's super developed so that at least, you know, if bands were not wanting to deal with all of the crap that you would have to do in order to like make a yeah. a band right. app. So, you right. know, Bandcamp, I feel like that would be, like, a oh, fantastic offer, yeah, thing. Yeah. They could just offer the interface, and they take maybe right. a small percentage, but they already do that anyway. Like, they're, they are a great place for independent bands to release stuff, but they do take a pretty high percentage of yeah. the things that you sell. So, I mean, I, God, I just feel like I maybe came up with a million already. Maybe thing, like, you know how there's, like, the websites that are, are like... Um, you know, early on, you had to know HTML to get a website, oh, right? Yeah, or yeah. or pay a web web designer. Yeah. But then a few years go by, and you can do, um, you know, the real script or what's yeah. the uh, what's the website like, now? They're like premium. Yeah, there's like Wix, and then there's uh, Squarespace. Squarespace. Podcast. Yes, yeah. there's Square, Squarespace. Squarespace. Yeah, yep. yeah. Like, I don't doubt there'll be a Squarespace for apps pretty soon, where yeah. it's like. 
get the app and, you know, plug your shit in, upload your icon, and it'll be yeah. very straightforward. And probably, you know, once that happens, um, you know, then I think there's a, a chance to move. But right now it's, you know, Spotify's got the stranglehold. Absolutely. So. Well, I mean, this whole NFT thing that's been going down over the past couple of weeks has been kind of interesting to me. Granted, I still do not understand how buying music on it. I, I don't understand like the independent ownership of, of yeah. buying music in the same way of buying art and how that works with NFTs. But I mean, I feel like that yeah. might be going somewhere in the right direction. Yep, if I could figure sure. out what in the hell it you do, yeah you know I I don't know I feel like the NFT thing is a trend yeah it's another yeah. it's another like a Bitcoin it's not tangible yeah you know yeah the second everybody doesn't agree that that makes sense you're literally <laughs> holding something worthless yeah, yeah absolutely and it's you know <laughs> I don't I mean maybe I'm just a little too old school but i don't see that much value in owning something that i can only look at on a screen i, I don't get it, it yeah I, I i don't know it's i i think it's just right now where i like to think back to think about the 50s um remember during the 50s when it was this big era of innovation uh disruption right everyone had a side hustle everyone had a new like invention or gadget or a hack to hawk and like you look at like the kitchen gadgets and they have some you know, extravagant thing for everything you could need when really you're like, we don't really need those things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just need a kitchen knife, cutting board. Yeah. And I think we're in a similar place with apps and Bitcoin and NFTs. It's like, look, you can do all these things and those things are cool to participate in and they're neat. Just like, you know, the double, you know, self-opening can opener is cool too. Right. But eventually you're like, that's cool. I don't need it though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, I feel like that's kind of where we're at. I know what you mean. I mean, a few years ago, there was another like form of Facebook that everyone was hopping over to for about three days. Yeah. Everyone was <laughs> like, this is the new thing. And then people just. I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It everyone I knew. Arrow had or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those things just fizzle out. You're yeah. totally right about that. That's a really good way. I haven't thought about it in the, the 50s way, but that's a really good way that to put make it. Sense. I, mean, I think people are going to get. To the point where, I don't know. It's like I don't. I don't think this level of consumerism. Like, how far can it go? Yeah. You know? Like, uh, it trips me out every single time <laughs> I go to the grocery store. I don't know if you guys are like this. Like, I'll be in the grocery store. I'm like, there's. I don't know. What is it? A hundred type of chips. Yeah. I'm just like, dude. We don't need a hundred type of chips. You know. But, <laughs> but like, how far can it go? You know, like, it's so true. and it's the same yeah. with I mean, all this digital stuff. Like, fuck, how far can it yeah. go to where people are just like, I don't know, man. Like, give me a book. Or They're whatever. gonna push it as far as they can. Yeah, <laughs> it'll just go till the whole thing burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, and I, I mean, and I agree. I mean, it's something that I, a topic that I think about a lot is like the level of materialism in society. You know, like, right? I don't know. It's like it's cool to <laughs> get stuff and. But to an extent, not well, to where it's like this is so hyper level that I, it's like it's becoming not good. Well, in my opinion. I feel like there are so many people who just thrive on the things that they have. And of course, the Internet just like prolongs that perpetuates that yeah. cycle, because now we can look at not only the cool things that just our friend group has, but we look at the cool things that every single other person has. And for some reason that like is indicative of your status yeah. and 
for it's like people i i feel like even kids are just like being absorbed into this consumerism society to such a degree that it's like all they think about yeah but i mean yeah i I agree and you know it's like i think you know look at the culture it's kind of a flex-based culture um yeah the whole the whole thing is look look what i have look how happy i am look i'm i'm living it so i think that continues um i don't know what resets it i know we're kind of like on you know similar if we kind of look back at history you can look through the 60s and 70s and you can see a a lot of similarities in the generational shift then um going from uh the silent generation to boomers and then now going from boomers to millennials and and xers it's it's very similar there's a lot of parallels there um and you know just like the generation before the boomers said, you know, hippies are going to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. The boomers are saying millennials are going to ruin everything. And I think that's just, you know, that's just how we think. I, yeah. I don't yeah. really think it's happening. Totally. I don't think the world's ending uh, while I'm alive. I agree no, yeah. with you. I don't think the world's ending probably even while like my grandkids or great grandkids yeah. are alive. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. Mm-hmm. I just think that people are going to need for their own health to realize that like, having whatever it is that's cool these days is not that great. You know, like I've never seen, I've never seen that happen where it's like, yep, I've got it all. And I'm just feeling great. You know, like let's reach the top. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it goes down a bad path. And that's like, I think that's, I don't know how, if this is true for you guys, but that's what I loved about underground music and metal. You know, it was just like, Fuck everything. We're doing this because it's sick. You know, we don't think that we're going to make a bunch of money. And you know what? We don't even care. And that's, I still yeah. feel that way in a way, you know? Same, same. And it's funny. Like, I think, I kind of think back to when we first started touring. Like, it was a politically, there's a lot of political upheaval back then. You know, the U.S. was in oh, like, yeah. Iraq. And every, you know, the whole not my president thing was going on with Bush. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, the first uh, Obama was elected in 08. And, you know, obviously, that was very polarizing um and it was like you know we had that that uh recession in 2008 right yeah too you know and like we were just a band out there grinding and it was kind of weird it was like i feel like social media is like they just they just love feeling like this is the moment where it's at just like (laughs) this is this peak cacophony right here like guys we're we're in it right now and it's like I don't think so. I kind yeah. of feel like we've always been in it. And this just yeah. like this is just putting it on blast. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, you got to get how what the app, the app just wants you to sit on it. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And and we know hate, hate clicks is a thing. Clickbait is a thing. Like polarization works. And the apps know that. And so it's just this compounding cycle of stay on the app because the fucking end is coming and you have to know the second it comes. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and you're con- you're yeah. continuously being fed yeah. if you click on one thing that tells you the world is ending, then you're going to see like a hundred things the next time you look at the app that tell you the same fucking thing. Yeah. Like I just, like I saw, like I follow like some vegetarian pages and stuff and it's like a, like an animal, like save the bears thing came up and like, I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to donate some money. You know, and it was like, donate, you know, 15 bucks and you could save this bear. And I was like, all right, I'm donating 15 bucks. You get a bear, you got to name it. And dude, after I did that, bro, I was like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I started counting it every five posts on my Instagram. It's like the saddest animal 
you know, and I'm like, dude, now my Instagram is like completely fucking depressing, dude. You know what I mean? Like, but I I think it's a relief when I hear people like you say what you just said, like you got to get some perspective because I feel like people get so lost in the story of the day. It's like, dude, Mm, for my whole life, there's been a president People have hated him. They've not liked him. There's been wars. There's been conflict. You know, yeah. it's like that exists. Yeah. There's definitely a magnifying glass on it because we are so connected all the time. Well, you know, and uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but we're also like we're in our 30s. We a lot of the people who probably follow our bands on the internet or who we see speaking on the internet are probably like young millennial kids who are very like immersed in this society. Yeah. So that's also a different like they may be coming from a place where they haven't been through, had the same experiences as we have. They're not old enough to see that that history does really repeat itself and it does so really quickly. So we've already witnessed these things a few times in our lives, but when you're so young, that's true. You don't, you don't realize that until you have the the perspective that comes along with age. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the political stuff that's going right now, it's, I feel like it, it is a bit of a repeat from, for oh, so many people. I, I lived in Los Angeles when the 92 riots happened and all that stuff. So I, I like, I am very familiar with that push and pull of, yeah. you know, race and how it relates to our country. And, yeah. you know, I was, how was, I was like 10, you know, I was born in 84. So in 92, I'm eight years old. Um, we were living in South Los Angeles, you know, with my family and you know, I still remember that whole night going down and like wow. the, the, what the neighborhood was like and everything. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's this interesting thing where I don't know, you can still find good, you can find positive stuff and say, well, if you can look at, you look at that and you look at how much violence was in that 92 riot. And when the national guard came in, they killed 200 citizens, shot yeah. 200 people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't shoot anybody this time. And yeah. I know that, right? So I like to think, yeah, okay, yeah, obviously race is not fixed in this country. I, yeah. I don't yeah. know that there is going to be fixed. Yeah. Right. But it's the conversation is ongoing. Yeah. But at least I feel like, okay, we could have, people could express their opinions. Um, there was a, you know, it ran the spectrum from um, peaceful to violent. But at the end of the day, we got a little bit better. We yeah. didn't send yeah. the army in there and they didn't shoot 200 citizens. So yeah. I think we are getting a little better. It's yeah. just hard because when you, when you couch it in, in social media, the, you know, the whole foundation of the, the, the apps is generate revenue through yeah. people sitting on the app and they're going to do it however they can. And if they have to glue you there with a tragedy, then so be it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they don't make money off of like, saying like what you just said is not as enraging you know and they make money and that's like that's honestly to me the most um disturbing thing about everything is it's like people are like making money off of people's other people's emotions you know Uh, what i mean like you know you look at cnn and stuff and it's like yeah whatever you think about trump you know whatever that that aside they made a lot of money by talking about Donald Trump all the time. And, and just inciting fear sure. in people yeah. constantly for the, so, for the past, like, however yeah. 
you know? So however bad yeah, it really I, was, it's like, well, they cranked it up way fucking... I mean, come on, I dude. think, yeah. To, to, to where it's on everyone's mind all the time. You know, like, I've never seen anything like that before. Like, people hated Bush, but not like... That's all anybody ever talks about, you know, this, the, the political stuff. I, I think because it, it, it was great business. I think that's like no matter if, whether you were Fox News or CNN, mm-hmm. Trump was great business. Yeah, yeah he was. <laughs> and you, you know what? Uh, you, can, you could probably find a, a lot of people to tell you that Fox and CNN are extremely different. They're not. They're yeah. giant media, media companies reporting to shareholders. Yeah. Yep. That's right. it. That's Is revenue up? That's all yes they, or no. Right. That's the only question that matters. That's all they care about. That's it. They're yeah. not there to inform you or entertain you or educate. Well, yeah, I guess entertainment. But yeah. like, yeah. it's just they want just like the app wants you to sit on it. They want you to sit on the news. It's the same thing. And I'm not, you know, obviously you can look at both those entities and, and you know, figure your own politics out for yourself. That's kind of not the point. The point yeah. is. They're just doing the same thing. They're yeah. trying to generate revenue by making sure you don't change the channel. Yeah. And if, if it's a right wing channel, well, you can, you know, the sky's falling because, uh, you know, Obama and Hillary. Yeah. If it's a left wing channel, the sky's falling because, you know, Trump yeah. and where Steve, whatever his name was. <laughs> um, you know, and they're like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not want to say that to like, you know, diminish what these, you know, people are doing. No, absolutely not. Me neither. Yeah, like, I'm, I know that there's terrible stuff that, that happens, but. <laughs> It's the level of like the fact that they're making money off of it is what's disturbing to me. Well, and spe- especially in such a volatile time, like I do think that when everyone is stuck at home and and like you're saying, like for people like us, a lot of our friends don't live anywhere near us. So we're not having actual like face to face friendly conversations with people. So it's like it's very easy to forget that anyone else is a real person and to like turn on yeah the way that you yeah. think other people feel. And I feel like in such a volatile situation, the news has just totally succeeded at really turning people against each other, like even more than they may have been able to in the past when we weren't all stuck inside. Yeah. They, they turn politics into team sports. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you do after your team loses? You go, you, you know, you go flip the table Yeah, and it's like, I guess if we, if we, that's what our culture is, that what our culture is just going to be just, we're just going to yell at each other. And then when it doesn't work, just you know, flip the table, like, okay. But that is, you realize that's just going to make everybody's problems worth. Like, I don't care if you're left wing or right wing, like we're not going to get anything done. If all the parties are there to do is undo what the last person did. Yeah. Well, what the fuck are we I, doing? I know. I know. You know. It's, it's not worth, uh, in my opinion, it's not worth, going to bat for like I don't like I've, I've always thought of this it's like I don't see how you would go online like I can understand it's like okay I'd rather this guy be president or that's this guy like I understand having opinions about what they do and you know it could be they could do bad things and all that stuff I I agree with that for the most part but I'm not going to publicly go out there and be like you know this is what's going on it's like no no fucking way because at the end of the day these people they don't actually really care about you that much like that's what I think, you know, and maybe that's cynical, but they're all trying to brand themselves. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. Well, and and they're looking up the road for the better position. That's it. It's so true, and they're renting so much space in so many people's heads. They're taking up so much fucking time of, of that so many people have. When really, it's like you have to consider at the end of the day, like should you be 
that consumed with something that, yes, policy and everything do have to do with your life, but worrying about like Donald Trump or Joe Biden's like day to day, what they eat or where they're vacationing or all of these things like that shouldn't be that that shouldn't be taking up space in your head because now you're wasting your time and your life that you could be spending doing something that was truly meaningful, meaningful to yourself, uh, worrying Mm -hmm. about all of this like fucking bullshit. And it's not relevant. I kind of feel like I, I'm seeing a, like, you know how YouTubers kind of try to make news out of anything, oh, yeah. you know, like they'll like react to anything or comment on anything. And it's kind of like, well, it wasn't really a thing until you had to make a show. You're like, well, yeah, we need yeah. the 15 minutes. So come up with something. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's the situation we got into with these presidents where it was like, what the guy ate you for lunch today? And it's like, it, do we, it, that's, we don't need to know. And yeah. if we've gotten to a point to where that does matter, we've entered cult of personality and like c- celebrityism. Yeah. yeah. Do we want our politicians to be brands and celebrities? Right. I it's feel. I feel right. like that's exactly what we've no, wanted to work against. Yeah. yeah. And right. I've thought. I mean, yeah. I've often thought about it. it's like think about how many smart people are like in this country or in the world. Yeah. It's like why don't we get them in there? What's going on here? You know, this is crazy. Yeah. But, things in this country uh being a politician turned into a popularity contest yeah. and yeah. how well you can brand yourself how well you can market yourself and we do have problems in government a big problem we have is that politicians can still take money from corporate donors right. yeah. as long as that's happening the laws are going to be written in their favor it's that so simple true. so unless all these politicians left or right are only acting on the interests of their constituents we're getting played and that's yeah. just accept that yeah <laughs> you know Totally. And that's kind of like something that I have been thinking about a bit today where, I mean, not today, but like these days is it's like when, you know, like I'm, I'm all for capitalism. You know, I think that's, that's great and everything. But when, when it goes too far, maybe when you're, when you're only about, okay, you know, the marketplace is, here's what a market is. I'm going to give the least and I'm going to take the most for myself. Right. That's what business is. That, That would be called business good business and it's like how far can you go with that you know that's i don't think i don't think it should be limited legally by any means but i think that at a certain point people should come to wake up and it's like you don't need to take that much for yourself you know like that this greedy style of living we left capitalism and we're into corporatism yeah and you know capital capitalism is you having a band and making a living off of it. Capitalism is us having a band and make a living. It's me putting out a book and paying my bills for a couple months. That's capitalism. Corporatism is fucking Spotify. Corporatism is fucking Netflix. These are businesses that are losing money that are the biggest businesses in the world. That isn't capitalism. That's corporatism. Our country has turned into being about servicing the corporation. And look, look through this whole pandemic, left or right, Forget about the fucking small business, dude. Target yeah, never I, closed. I know. Walmart never closed. Never. The fucking small business get fucked. Hammered. Yeah. Hammered. I mean, yeah. that's been a swing that's, that's where we're at, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, when you're when you're and when you're talking about it and you, you look at the people who are sort of like promulgating, they want more, you know, of the of the uh, division and whatnot. It's the people who are making the money off of it the hugest companies in the fucking yeah. world, you know? So 
I don't really know that much he, about it, though. I'm just like some dumb drummer. I, I just try to <laughs> play the gray man. Just get, you know, it's like, I okay, I see the lay of the land, but yeah. I'm not, I don't want to be, I don't want to, like, be out there on IG trying to tell everybody how snowed they are. It's like, yeah. right, figure it out for yourself. Yeah, you know, it's like, I'm going to. I'm just, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I, I feel like I have a reasonable handle on things, but here I am sitting at home, you know? So. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's important to be like, I think also these days it's not cool to not be a know-it-all, you know? Like, it's not, oh, yeah. it's not cool for me to be like, hey, you know, I don't really know much about what you're talking about. Can you tell me more, please? No. Yeah. You know, it's like, you got to be like, uh, no, no, I, hold on. What you're saying, I, I know the what's actually going it's, on here dude so you know true. what i mean and it's like dude do we really know what's going on just because we're on our friends statuses all day or whatever wikipedia and stuff it's like i don't know i i'm trying to be more like that these days because i've been in the past total you know know it all like what no dude and now i'm just like you know what keep an open mind that's a that's a good thing to do i think I think that's the that's kind of the apps again sort of influencing us because think about it. You put out a tweet that is middle of the road. Well, you know, I kind of you know, it's I sort of feel like this, but whatever. Nobody's gonna like it or retweet it. Yeah. yeah. You put out a tweet where you're like, This thing was you know, just you totally just go hard on it and then sure it'll it'll get some traction and that's all of the apps and they're all training us to say, Well, your your opinion can't be middle of the road. You yeah. have to be, you're either a Nazi or a socialist. Pick one. Yeah. I know. yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, really? The, the only two people in this country are Nazis and socialists? Yeah. That's not true. That's yeah. just not true. It's not true. You know? yeah. And I do think, so that, I, 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 I'm like circling back to, I do think that a lot of the reason that it has gone this way is because people haven't been able to have like real conversations, go to a bar, meet some random guy or woman and, and just have a, a conversation with strangers over the past year. So it's all become this like convoluted way of thinking that everyone is like on yeah, this yeah. side or that side. Whereas it's like, dude, when we sit down and just talk to our friends like you, it's like we always, you know, we might have differing opinions on some things, but there's it's a rare time when I don't see eye to eye with someone else on on a lot of different subjects. And I feel like that is actually how a majority of people are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I totally totally agree with you. And I think too, if we just if we live and die on on who somebody voted for for a four year administration, um, I just feel like that's a that's just a very simplistic and and distilled point of view on every individual yeah. in this country. Yeah. It's like you're only who you cast your vote for. That's it. Yeah. It's like that's a little weird being is that like the entire conversation right now is about, you know, ex exploring identities that go beyond the trope. That's, yeah. a, that's actually yet. so fascinating. That's such a good point to bring that up. That is what our entire society, that's what it, the yeah. theme of right now is, is exploring all of these different beautiful parts of everyone. Yet when it comes to this one thing, it's like it's black or mm -hmm. white. It's this or that. Yeah. It's so right. strange. And yeah, and that's, you know, it has to be that in order for those shareholders to make more every quarter. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what it just comes down to that. I, I hate that. Like my worldview is just so like, Oh, well they're doing it for money, but <laughs> yeah. I like that's like, well, that's it. Don't take it personal. They're just trying to get rich. Right. 
And yeah. it's, it's working for some people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. But, I mean, well, Scott, man. thank you so much for being on the podcast. We're about to hit two hours, so we'll probably cut it. But this has been a fucking fantastic oh. conversation. Oh, no, and I can't wait to hear the new Carnifex. And hopefully you guys play in Santa Cruz or San Francisco this fall because I don't think we'll head out until the spring. So because I think we're going to put out our record at the turn of the year. So 22? Uh, we'll be, okay. yeah, we'll cool. be home to catch all the shows this fall. Yeah, that'll be fucking amazing to be able to hang out, dude. For Hell real. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the lineup once you once you turn the record button. Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm just gonna run our little outro <laughs> right. real quick, man. Have but a good anyway. week, everyone. Yeah, dude. Great to fucking thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks.